out there as well. We're talking about highly sensitive teens. Mm -hmm. And to do this, we have enrolled the help of beautiful Sue Jardine. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for asking to see me. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. Thank you. We are. And we're going to try and make it through without being in fits of hysteria. So (laughs) (laughs) we can't promise that. (laughs) Um, But this is a topic, uh, obviously, that uh, it's something that can present a little bit differently in teens, we believe. So sensitivity. Um, So we've spoken a lot about the sensitivity traits uh, in adults. Would you like to help fill us in on some of the sensitivity traits that can actually present in teens and how that that may uh, come across? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the difference between uh, an adult who's highly sensitive and a teen who's highly sensitive is actually that the adult will have a greater awareness of what is actually going on in their body uh, and may be able to articulate that. Um, if you've got somebody who's a, a teenager then um, for them to recognise exactly what that is in the body can be um, a challenge. Mm -hmm. So um, if you think about it, if we go right the way back, even before teenage years, and you think about maybe one of your children uh, is upset about something, they'll probably give you a Mm -hmm. physical ailment. Mm -hmm. So do you know like um, Mm -hmm. they don't want to go to school and they say that they've got tummy ache and then you Mm -hmm. later find out that there's maybe a problem with... um, a little friend at school or something like that. Um, For teens, it's not much different than that, but their language may have then changed. So Mm -hmm. instead of saying, I've got a tummy ache, now they may be presenting with with other symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe a headache or the classic for a teenager is to say, I'm feeling tired, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I think for a highly sensitive um, teenager, it's often very difficult to articulate that. So where do you actually go and get some help for it? Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. Yeah, so I think, I think that's the difference between teenagers and adults. And they're, they're not small children, obviously, with, with like a physical ailment. But it's, mm-hmm. ha- it's still hard to articulate. How do you find the language mm-hmm. around being a highly sensitive person? Um, and also if you haven't got somebody else in your family mm-hmm. who's a highly sensitive person, I think that's a real challenge. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So a lot of teens are navigating on their own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas if there's that awareness in their parents, at yeah. least there can be that support in how to yeah. help well, them through. It's like the structure of language. How we learn any language is to know what something is and then learn what something isn't. Yeah. You know? So if you don't have anybody who says, oh, what you're maybe feeling is something to do with being highly sensitive mm-hmm. or using the word intuitive or empath or any of those words, if they've not got anybody mm-hmm. who recognises that in the family, because mm-hmm. often this goes through family lines, yes. if they don't have anybody who recognises that themselves, they haven't got the language. Because mm-hmm. you, you can't have the language to understand something that's outside of your consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the challenge comes in, I think. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the main difficulties <laughs> for teens? Um, who are, I mean, obviously it's a period that's quite difficult for most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then navigating these years as a highly sensitive team, yeah. um, and I suppose I present it because it's a time, you know, reflecting back on my own teen years, and Cecilia, I know you've spoken a bit about it as mm. well, but, you know, you're starting to ask, where do I fit in this world? Hang mm. on, I feel different. Yeah. Um, you know, what's going on around me? What, what, what difficulties do you see? as being 
you know, some of the, some of these flags, I suppose. Yeah. For us. So there's obviously the physical, yeah. but what kind of even words may they be saying? I mean, I know so much is going to be internalised too. Yeah, mm. I, I think that that sexual thing it's actually more internalised, yeah. and I think. Um, you know, from my experience, because I've, I've worked for 20 odd years with teenagers, mm-hmm. um, it's not what they say, really, it's, it's, the, it's the behaviour. Yeah. Um, so a highly sensitive teen is, is more likely to not want to socialise with people. Mm-hmm. They may not actually understand why they don't want to socialise mm-hmm. with people, mm-hmm. um, but often, you know, if you know that you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know that as an introvert you need to go within and you need to charge... Um, withdrawing from people mm-hmm. that's a, that's an innate instinct that we've mm-hmm. got so if you you might not know the word that you know hey I'm an introvert and I need to go in my bedroom and and rest mm-hmm. but it's an innate skill mm-hmm. you know you you will know that you need to do that just like if you're an extrovert mm-hmm. then you need to be around people um, but teenagers don't necessarily know that language so therefore, they'll do it instinctively. Mm-hmm. So someone who's an extrovert, who can still be highly sensitive, I think we have this, this idea mm-hmm. that someone who's an introvert is sensitive mm-hmm. and somebody who's an extrovert isn't sensitive. <clears throat> but yeah. that's, that's no, not true. It's not true. It's not true at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just is the way that we, we... The introvert, extrovert is just how we charge ourselves up, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you can be... It's not black and white. You can be introvert and extrovert in different contexts and different mm-hmm. situations. Um, so for a teenager, you know, it really is about they will do that naturally. Mm-hmm. And a highly sensitive teen will will retreat to the bedroom. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, does the parent understand that yeah. and allow that teen that time so that they can recharge? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, one of the things that that you know I've witnessed quite a lot is a parent trying to control that. Mm-hmm. And parents are doing the best they can with the resources that they have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, especially if you're a first parent of a teenager, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't understand why this young person who maybe a few years before hasn't needed to, to recharge in that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. is now suddenly retreating to the bedroom. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and particularly if somebody's highly sensitive, the more that they're exposed to other people, the more they need to retreat. And if the parent isn't aware of why that's happening, then mm. they can actually push against that more. And mm. then, of course, then you get uh, problems with communication. Mm. Mm. And I personally have experienced that where I am an introvert and presumed that my highly sensitive child was also of that character. Yeah. And again, they do flip and flop between, but they recharge with the energy of other people. And I didn't understand that and was trying to keep them away from that because I was viewing their sensitivity as the same way as mine. Yeah. And it was becoming a real issue between the two of us until I realised this is what he needs to do in order to recharge. And it's different to me, but that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think the difficulty is that when parents first come across that, they're not quite sure what to do no, with it. No, I didn't. They're not, mm. they're not sure what to yeah. do. Um, and I think if we think of anything, not just <clears throat> introvert, extrovert, mm. whether you need to recharge with people mm. or you need to recharge by yourself, if you think about anything, you know, your interests, etc. they're not always going to be the same as your children. And mm. I think um, what parents tend to do, and we're all guilty of it, mm. is to actually think that, as you said, your, your child is the, the same. same. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
but they're not you know every every single person in this world is an individual mm -hmm. um, you know whether they're a child um, a teenager or actually an mm -hmm. adult mm -hmm. everybody's an individual and has a different language you create your own language for you yep. you are you and nobody can understand you mm -hmm. but as a parent what you can do is try to figure out um, you know what's happening for your child mm -hmm. and sometimes that's asking the question you know hey what's going on now we know that teenagers um, <laughs> don't want to give us yeah so it's about sneaking those questions in mm -hmm. you know and just having conversations and, and sharing experience as well mm -hmm. um, so if you're highly sensitive maybe you're starting in a, in a position where you understand what is happening if you're not highly sensitive, but you think there is something happening for your child, it's about educating yourself mm -hmm. and finding out, you know, what it is. Um, and the other thing that, that I've seen a lot is that um, parents doing the best that they can. So, so every time I say parents, it's not that I'm saying, well, parents do this and that, because parents are absolutely doing the best that they can. So um, we often go to a big diagnosis, mm -hmm. you know, so if, the, if there's a, um, a child who is enjoying time in their bedroom, um, sometimes we kind of jump to the fact that it could be depression or anxiety, mm -hmm. and it's not to ignore those flags mm -hmm. for that, because mm -hmm. that's really important, but it could just be that they do need to recharge mm -hmm. and to be allowed to actually come out when they're ready and that is really hard mm. yeah. um, to, to not want to jump in mm. um, but uh, you know I've seen diagnosis for young people which have then turned out to be um, not the actual um, thing that was happening it turned out that that young person was actually an empath mm -hmm. yeah. you know and very sensitive to um, to the environment yeah. um, mm. but that, that's a really difficult call to make so mm. I think you should always yeah. Um, get your child checked out to make sure mm. that there isn't anything going on on a biological or chemical level mm -hmm. which would contribute to depression but maybe not immediately go there maybe, maybe start mm. to become aware of other things that it could be yeah. and it's that big time of hormonal change as yeah, well absolutely. And so you, yeah. you, if you have a, a highly sensitive teen who feels so deeply and obviously you know, shows emotion mm. It could be so quick for us to point a finger at girls' hormones, it's hormones, yeah, yeah. rather than allow the emotion and mm. you know allow them to feel as yeah. deep as they are and and, and that acceptance of. Yeah. I think there's an awful lot of, for all of us. There's an awful lot of stiff upper lip. Mm. You know, I'm being British. You know, I can really attest <laughs> to that. It's in my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> stiff upper lip. You know, keep calm and carry on. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> do you know. And I think we sometimes pass that on to our kids as well. And, oh, and, and that is counterintuitive for yep. what we need. Because mm -hmm. we know that if we're expressing, emo expressing emotion, any emotion, it's energy in motion. And that's mm -hmm. what we need to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and as teenagers, teenagers can actually feel um, really silly about expressing mm -hmm. yeah, their emotions. Yeah. You know, because often they're new emotions. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a, somebody who's five and they fall over and they hurt themselves... Generally speaking, they'll get up, um, you know, you'll help them. You might put a band-aid on or whatever, and they go on their merry little way. Mm. If you think about that in that context, if a teenager falls over, it's now at that age where it's 7 to 14, where they're, they're modelling, or, mm. or 14 to 21, where it's socialisation period, it's actually um, 
it's actually more than just falling over. Now it's who saw it, what happened, yeah. etc. Et the et embarrassment, etc. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So now you've got emotion that you're already. I'm giving that as an example, but you've mm. got that emotion in your body, and now mm. you know I want to switch that off mm. because I'm already embarrassed. So mm. really, I don't want to cry in public. Mm. So now you've got another right. emotion, and that's where suppression can mm. come in. And I think culturally, <coughs> for our young men. Um, it's even harder. Oh, absolutely. Um, right from the time they are little, we are, you know, we treat boys and girls differently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So a lot, a lot of the work that I've done has actually been with um, with males. So uh, when I was in the UK, um, I was a youth worker and a trainer of young people, and I absolutely loved the work that I did with uh, with young young guys. So predominantly, I work with um, people who are sixteen to twenty. I know that's a, that's a period where the brain is still growing, mm-hmm. um, but at 18 you're expected to be an adult now and mm-hmm. get a job and do all those things. Uh, and what I find is that, um, and there's no stereotype in here, but that, that young girls at 18 tend to have a real sense of self, mm-hmm. um, whereas boys have lost that through the way that the world is changing. So if we go right the way back to um, to cavemen, if we can go right the way back there, <laughs> but men actually had more of a purpose, you know, mm-hmm. and it was kind of written in stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no pun intended, written in stone. <laughs> um, in the you know, in the stone age years. <laughs> um, but it was it was more guaranteed. It was more we were going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, yeah. you you got to your puberty ceremony mm, yeah. and you went out with a male who showed you what you were doing you know you went out to hunt yeah. and your destiny was kind of defined mm-hmm. uh, what's happened then even if we then take it from the stone age into modern times mm-hmm. but take it even into say the 1930s industrial revolution the industrial revolution it was male dominated and mm-hmm. Uh, and not that we want to go back there, but there was purpose That's and okay. drive, mm. and they could actually understand where their position was. Mm. So now we fast forward to... Interesting. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. So you fast forward now to somebody who's 17, mm-hmm. um, who is a highly sensitive male, mm-hmm. um, and now they're looking for purpose because it's not that clear cut anymore. Yeah, so true. And it's not that clear, it, it just isn't that clear. So mm. that brings up anxiety. Because now you don't necessarily have a mentor. You don't have somebody who's mm. showing you the way. No. You, your dad may also be absent. And mm. single moms do a phenomenal job, but men need men. Yeah. You know, men need a mentor or somebody that they can look up to, to, to formulate how they're going to be in the world. Mm. But they don't, they don't actually have that, and they don't have the same purpose. Mm. Um, so that can be really challenging for a highly... Mm. You know, highly sensitive team, particularly a male. Um, you know, and then if we, if we flip the coin and look at females, mm-hmm. then we've got this new feminine kind of rising yes. energy. Mm. So now women are really stepping up. Mm. But if you're highly sensitive mm. and you're female, mm. you now have got the flip side of the coin because yes. there's now an expectation yes. that I have to do a, a, amazing mm. work because of this kind of rising of this feminine energy. Mm. So therefore, um, teenagers, it's not that clear cut no, anymore, no, which therefore brings in, um, you know, a, a lot of issues associated with, you know, we all want to belong. So yes. how do I find my place in the world? Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
And then there's also, along with high sensitivity, there can be the high um, thrill-seeking, mm-hmm. um, high mm. sensation-seeking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, obviously, teen years are a, um, a prime time to, A, try and work out where you're fitting in the world, B, push a few boundaries and seek a few thrills and get that dopamine rush to actually, yeah. you know, to yeah. feel. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's a really hard time. Yeah. And I think generally speaking, just and this is just anecdotal from my experience, that the biggest risk takers tend to be boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and and boys uh, and girls sometimes go along with boys, but generally speaking, if I think of all the cases that I've dealt with where there's been some risk taking that's gone a little bit wrong, <laughs> you know, yep. um, where there's been some consequences from that, um, 80% of that has, has been where... Uh, there's been males present so Mm -hmm. um, and that's not that you know males are are, are causing a ruckus it's not it's not like that Um, but they've got a different level of brain development so Mm -hmm. you know at at 13 the brain prunes back to get more information um, and it it starts to reform in a a very different way and the the thrill seeking comes in um, often you know, it's that kind of alpha male and trying to find what's going on. But what you often find is there's somebody who's a leader and then there's, there's five Stars. followers. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that, all, that also comes back to uh, a young male being, t- you know, able and comfortable to say, I'm not getting in that car mm. with you. You know, when you're driving like that or you've only just got your license or it's two o'clock in the morning mm. or, or whatever that risk-taking might be. Mm. I mean, I'm using the, the car mm. example because that is quite a common thing when when people get their licenses Mm -hmm. but it is about the team being strong enough to be able to say I'm not doing that and that's really difficult and really challenging Um, particularly for somebody who's highly sensitive and maybe doesn't want to upset the group Mm -hmm. you know so that can can be you know we're talking about group norms as well Um, and fitting in in. you know you want to belong that's right you don't want that division you don't want that division yeah so there, there can be a challenge there as well, mm. definitely. I, I remember a challenge for me being, without meaning to put a label to it, um, introverted and being at boarding school and innately knowing that I needed to withdraw, but at that same time having that sense of belonging and needing mm. to be in that mm. peer group. And it was really a conflict for me because mm. I felt one way. Yeah. But then my head got involved and I mm. thought, well, no, this is what I should be doing. Yep, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, should is a great should. word. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> should never should on yourself. Stop <laughs> shooting. Stop <laughs> shooting. Yeah. yeah. If, if so, you hear the word should, should. yes. Recipe yes. yeah. yeah. for disaster. That's right. <laughs> um, so that was definitely, I struggled with that as a teenager. Yeah. What? Yeah. Loneliness is actually a massive, well, I think it's a massive problem in society, actually, mm. loneliness and that, that feeling that you're different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for teenagers, that, that can be a real challenge. Um, and they can actually feel different in a group of, of um, other teenagers where on the surface they would look the same, mm. but they still feel different, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we don't have the same family network, so we don't have three generations of family and extended cousins and everyone else, yeah. you know, that whole mm. sense of family and community that we used to have. We yeah. are so isolated, so we it's a real, um, you know, you're treading water to try and work out where you mm. fit yeah. and, and not have that 
and then we which add is, in the social media aspect, which is a whole well, new yeah. arena. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. complicates belonging, <clears throat> probably. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I, I think on social media there is a false sense of belonging, mm-hmm. but there's a uh, it's connection mm-hmm. that is missing. So mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think you can feel that you belong because I mean let's face it we can all join a million groups mm, yeah. and we can on Facebook and we, we can, can chat feel like to we belong yes. yeah. um, but it's, it's that real connection mm-hmm. you know and it's quite dissociated as well you know if you yeah. think about um, if you're looking at a screen that's not mm. a real conversation no, no. you know and, and particularly if you um, type in up your responses mm. then there isn't like the huge belly laughs that we have when yeah, we're talking that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know you can't no. you can't type lol it's not a face emoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It doesn't quite. And then send it to the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, just yeah like it. all the time. So. <laughs> it's just not the same, really, is it? You know, it isn't. So, so communication is happening in quite a dissociated way. You know, so yeah. so therefore you're not getting that interaction. So now you fast forward to your cousin's twenty mm. first birthday. And there's going to be three hundred people there, yeah. but you haven't been out of your bedroom to socialise in that way. Mm. You are going to go into overwhelm mm. because sometimes, I, you know, at the end of the day, socialising you have to practice it. It's like mm. any other skill. You know, it's a learned behaviour. Doing that small talk, that's a learned <laughs> behaviour, you know, that we have to do on occasion. Oh, can't on. we just go to the deep? Yeah, no, I'm not very good at that small talk. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But, but for teenagers, my, my yeah. son, I hope he's not listening. My son. <laughs> uh, my son went at Christmas. First time he hasn't been with us at Christmas. And um, he went to his girlfriend's um, place for Christmas. Now, his girlfriend, Cordy, he's beautiful, but she's got a massive family. So we've, mm. we've got a small family. And, you know, if you haven't noticed from the accent, I'm not from around here. So therefore, you know, I'm not from Australia. Most of my family are, are back in England. So, you know, our small family is smaller. We're very mm. nuclear. It's a mm. very nuclear family. Um, so all of a sudden, he's catapulted into this huge family um, of mm. people in a different part of the state on Christmas Day. Mm. I said, oh, how did you cope? And he said, I just sat in the corner with my phone. I said, good work. Because for him, he would have been in overwhelm for, yeah. you know, he said, I said, hello. Yep. I chatted to people. And then as soon as he felt mm. uh, that that was overwhelmed, he removed himself mm. and went in the corner. Now, luckily... His girlfriend understands that mm-hmm. he's highly sensitive and she's highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. So they actually worked that out and she was good with that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who'd see that as rude mm-hmm. or aloof mm-hmm. or, you know, what's your boyfriend doing? It's the first time yeah. we've met him and he's in the corner and da 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 da. But it, they were really lovely about it and mm-hmm. understood that he, he, his neurological system, his yep. nervous system cannot cope with that amount of stimulus and small talk and being yeah. in a different environment. Did it take him long to recover from that? He was pretty good because he put his own boundaries yeah. in. Mm. Um, had he not, or if mm. there would have been a higher expectation um, from Cordy, he would have gone into meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he would have put his mask on first. Yeah. Um, and the common language is, I'm all right, I'm tired. I'm mm. all right, I'm tired. Um, so then you would have heard that language kind of coming out, mm. but that was hu- that was a huge, and I knew it was going to be huge, and it was Christmas Day, and I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Um, but he, he was fine, 
But he understands that he's an introvert. Mm -hmm. He understands that he's highly sensitive. He picks up energy mm. around walking him, like <laughs> walking down the street, you know. Mm. He, uh, but he recognises it and knows it. We, um, we went into um, the vet. This is going back a couple of years, and uh, we had to take the dog to the vet. So we've got our highly sensitive teen at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and there was myself and my husband, and we go in, and the lady behind the counter was clearly having a bad day. Mm. And Andrew just picked on that immediately. Mm. And I picked on it, but didn't make a comment. And when we got in the car, he said, oh, what was wrong with that lady, mm. you know, behind the counter? And my husband said, what? What was wrong? <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, Dad, did you not feel it? Yeah. Um, but that was his highly sensitive nature mm. coming yes. through. Now, he's aware of it. Because I've taught him to yes. be aware of it. Um, but if he wasn't aware of it, he would not know why he suddenly felt that way. Yes. So um, if you've ever been, if you if you are aware of your highly sensitive nature and you go into a space where the energy isn't mm -hmm. great, you know that you get that kinesthetic feeling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then what happens is you can do something about it. You know, you can you can work on it, you can switch it off, or you can recognise mm -hmm. that tomorrow you might be a little bit wiped out. Mm. If you're not aware of it, mm. tomorrow you're wiped out and you think, what's wrong what's with wrong me? What's wrong with me? Yeah. And what's especially the kids walking into classrooms, you've got multiple oh, yeah. teens, and you have a teacher who's having an off day, yeah. and they don't have that understanding that actually it's not their stuff yeah. to begin with, yeah. and that they're carrying it all, they're taking yeah. it home. Yeah, that's, um, that's amazing. Now, you just said they can switch that off. How would you yeah. suggest switching that off? Yeah, so the, the first thing is to be aware of it, you yeah. know, and, and, and really to observe what's happening. And first of all, be okay with the emotion that's coming mm -hmm. through. So the thing that I do this for myself, and this is what, I, what I've taught um, both teenagers and adults to do, one is to say, what is the emotion that I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. And then what is the emotion under that? And then what is the emotion mm -hmm. under that? So if you've got somebody who's feeling anxious, you can say, okay, I'm feeling anxious. You, you give it a name. You say, I am feeling anxious. That doesn't mean you're attaching to it. It just means you're saying it out loud. That actually just kind of concretes it in that this isn't wishy-washy. This is an energy that's mm -hmm. in your body. So I'm feeling anxious. Okay, what's the energy under that? Oh, I'm actually feeling fearful. What's the energy under that? You keep going and do that, you're going to eventually empty out. Mm -hmm. Now, it's only through language, through linguistics, but that goes a long way to stop it from being stored in your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that you can... I mean, there's kinesiology, there's EFT, mm -hmm. you know, um, neuro-linguistic programming, there's techniques there. But this is a really, really quick... Fix. You can say, what, what emotion am I feeling right now? That's great. And it just, take, it just takes minutes. We need this in classrooms. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a big push a few years ago when um, tapping or emotional freedom mm -hmm. technique mm -hmm. um, was very popular. I think it still is popular. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was when it, when it kind of really first started um, being noticed that it would be good for kids. Mm -hmm. And I was involved with that about eight years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think definitely kids need kids need to know this. Yes. And teenagers definitely um, need to know that these emotions are normal. Yes. You know, and, and I think that's the key to it. It's, it's normal. Mm -hmm. There will be teenagers that, that have a diagnosis and need <laughs> further support. Yep. But there's also these teenagers that... Um, with, with some support, may not get to the point where they have depression or anxiety, mm -hmm. 
because there's actually yes. something that they can do now for themselves. Uh, and I think as, as parents, um, you know, it's a good thing for parents to look at what's happening for the team. Mm-hmm. And, and look, you know, I also think that there's not a lot of conscious conversation, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, where people are open to the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's often people present what's wrong and you get a surface problem. Mm-hmm. But really it's about exploring what's underneath yeah. the surface. And without and judgment too. Without judgment, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and you know what? If if you've got a teenage boy who's crying, let him cry. Mm-hmm. If you've got a teenage girl who who is very anxious, give her some space. You know, mm-hmm. either give her space um, so that she can work that through, or hold space for mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. which is very different. And I think yes. as parents, it's hard to hold space. Mm-hmm. It's hard to yeah. sit there without pulling out advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I'd really highly recommend is something that I call emptying the cup. So, in, if you imagine that your body is, well, obviously your body is your nervous system, mm-hmm. but if you imagine that your nervous system is a cup, mm-hmm. and every day you are getting filled up mm-hmm. with words and events and information, it's all going in, mm-hmm. and then you get to overwhelm it, so that's spilling over. Do you know what? Empty the cup. Get Talk to somebody, or be the parent mm-hmm. that allows the child to empty the cup. Because I've sat in mediation and, um, you know, I've heard a parent say, oh, but she's this and she's that, or he's this and he's that. Um, but when I've sat alone with that young person, mm-hmm. all they really needed was to empty out everything that's in there. And as a parent, it can be challenging to, to zip your lip. Mm-hmm. And I say that with love and respect mm-hmm. to parents. But it can be really hard not to jump in with advice mm-hmm. or not to jump in and say, well, that happened to me. Or not to jump in and say, well, I've never heard of that or whatever it is. Just let the young person empty out the cup That's good. without judgment. Mm. Then can I ask, as a highly sensitive mother who can sense that mm-hmm. their son is in distress or is struggling, but that particular teenager is not willing to empty the cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, and I, I, I make myself present in their life and I sit on their bed and maybe ask an odd question. Or, yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know, is that the right thing to do? I still want them to know that I'm present and there for them, but I can't make them talk if they don't want yeah. to. A lot of things, particularly with, uh, with males, is eye <clears throat> contact. So if you are looking directly at a male, which mm-hmm. for a female is necessary for communication, for a male is not necessary and is not wanted. Mm. That's why talks in the car work really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So off we go. Yeah. <laughs> On yeah. a highway. Anything, anything side by side. Mm-hmm. Anything side by side. Okay. Because it's the confrontation of eye contact often. You know, so I've done my best work as a youth worker mm. in a car. Wow. Um, I've done my best work as a parent washing up at the sink. Yeah. Because there's no eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, mm. I would actually um, take my son down to the pier where we live, um, and just sit in the car, and we'd have a soft drink together down there. Um, looking through the windscreen, (laughs) (laughs) not engaging, but just letting him into the cup. And we would do that um, nearly every day. 
when he was at school. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, we used to have a song, yep. and, the, and the song, it's actually a Manchester band, because I'm from Manchester in England, um, and the song is by Manchester people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a theme, a bit of a theme coming in. Um, but it's, what have you done today to make you feel proud? That's cool. the song, that's what okay. it's called. So that was kind of our empty out the cup song. <laughs> so it would be, we'd sing it on the way to school, when I dropped him off, mm-hmm. um, and then I'd say, okay, so what have you done today to make you feel proud? Mm-hmm. And then that would start a conversation. And some days he'd say, I don't feel proud at all. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have a conversation like, oh, okay, how come? My favourite word is how come. Not why, because mm-hmm. that's accusatory. Okay. So if you're feeling that way, you know, if, if you said, I'm feeling sad, and somebody says, why? It's almost mm-hmm. like there's no to justify. You need to justify it. Mm-hmm. But if you said to me, I'm feeling sad, I say, oh, how come? Mm-hmm. Very, very soft to tone. Mm-hmm. And, and the language actually. Yeah, oh, the power of words, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what we used to do. So we kind of, um, you know, in NLP, a lot of the work that we do is about anchoring. Mm-hmm. So if you can have a song or a favorite place mm-hmm. and you know that that is the place where you empty the cup, mm-hmm. Or that, you know, that song means that you're going to have a conscious conversation together. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of, it's good conditioning. You want good conditioning mm-hmm. um, to actually know that, that that's when it happens. Yes. You know, so, so if your son gets in the car mm-hmm. and he knows that there's going to be a conversation, you know, it's that routine. It's mm-hmm. not that I'm here for you. It's like, okay, let's have a chat about school yeah, or let's okay. have a chat about this or... You know, it works really well because, because like, you know, teenagers, just like adults, like routine. Yeah. You know, so you know what's happening and, and it can be a great anchor. Music mm. is yeah. phenomenal. Uh, the other thing is grab a basketball and ask questions as you bounce the ball. So you ask the question as you bounce it, mm. they catch it, they have to answer you as a game. Works really, really awesome. powerfully well <laughs> because now they're engaged in something that they love. So whether it's soccer, mm-hmm. scoring a goal, or basketball, or tennis, it doesn't matter because now they're, they're not ha- they're not really thinking about the emotions coming up. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're they're actually doing something. They're actually doing something, but that actually distracts so that the language can come through. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've spent hours. Um, I used to work at a school um, as a youth worker at a school, and I've spent hours on the basketball pitch. <laughs> yeah, and I ain't that fit. Yeah, so I've been on the basketball, just bouncing balls in the heat, nice pom, you know, in the heat, sweating away, asking questions. But it's, it's one of the most powerful techniques that you've got because that is more or less side to side, shooting yeah. hoops. Um, and and as you as you shoot the hoop, you can say, "Give me the answer this, to this question," mm-hmm. or even you just sneak them in. You just say, "Oh yeah, I was thinking." How are you feeling about that? It's yeah. gold. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it works phenomenally mm-hmm. well. Whatever they're interested in, just yeah. do it from that point. So that is absolutely gold. So if you, this is a bit of a question for you, Sue. So if you had any advice for your former teen self, mm-hmm. what would it be? What would it be? Mm. Oh, that's a question. Yeah, what would it be? So for my, I, I kind of, I'm going I'm to say something and probably contradict myself. It's not like me. Um, I, think, I think I didn't like myself very much 
even though now when I look back, I actually really liked myself. That sounds like a paradox. So but at the time, you didn't time, like yourself. Well, I did like myself, but then I didn't like myself. Mm. Which is a bit... I, I, yeah, I know. I like myself in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. So I liked myself um, that people would come to me for advice. You know, mm-hmm. I, liked, I liked that. But at the same time, it was normally the boys that came to me for advice. So therefore, I was always in the friend zone. So I didn't mm-hmm. like that. So I liked the mm-hmm. fact that I gave advice about my girlfriends to boys. That seemed to be the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I didn't like the fact that that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of meant that I was lacking in love in those in those teenage <laughs> years. Um, no, but I but I also think um, I think probably I'd recognise the wisdom that that comes from those teenage years. Mm. I think I'd say, you know, those things that you think that you're really going through that are really challenging are actually your learnings and your lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mm. think we think that we don't get those kind of learnings until we're later in life, you know. Mm. You, you have this image of somebody in the, maybe in the later years, in the in the 80s and 90s, getting the learnings, but we're learning all the time. Mm. And I think we miss the learnings from teenage years. Um, I don't think we pay enough attention to them. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd go back and say, you know, kind of, kind of, just realise that what what is painful for you now, or what is a challenge for you now, um, won't be because you'll get some beautiful lessons from that, and that will help you in the next stage of life. Mm. So get it now, so you don't have to be dealing yeah, with twenties, thirties, forties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so wisdom of youth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Youth is wasted on the young or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I do think you know maybe it it would be nice if teenagers are so open. Mm. It would be so nice if teenagers could stay open. Mm. I think I think that would be. The piece of advice for anybody who's listening now as a teen or anybody who's listening um, as a parent, they are so open to experience and opportunity and, and knowledge if they're allowed to be and also if they can recognise that themselves. And I think as a highly sensitive teen, if you are not aware of what's happening, you can quickly close all that down. So I think, and I was a very highly sensitive teen, and I think I closed an awful lot down, yeah. um, not quite sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a definite learning from that, is to say, that's okay, you know, it's okay to feel this way, mm-hmm. it's okay to retreat when you need to, it's okay to get some learnings from this, um, and to do something with those learnings. And the other thing, it's okay to say no, it's okay to say yes, it's okay, mm-hmm. it's okay to be who you are mm-hmm. and not have to be who somebody expects you to be. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that is pretty value for, valuable for teenagers. Hugely. Yeah. Hugely. Well, thank you so much, Sue. It's my pleasure, absolute pleasure. Would you mind filling us all in on a little bit about yourself and what you do now? So you obviously did work in, uh, with youth. Yes, uh, yep. and now you have a beautiful, beautiful business. I do, I do. So would you I'm mind very blessed, yeah. um, sharing a little bit about that and how we can find you? Yeah, yeah, you? absolutely. Um, so I've actually got a, a boutique training company. 
So I work with, uh, it's predominantly women, though I do work with some men, mm-hmm. in training them um, in something called NLP, mm-hmm. which a lot of people haven't heard of. <laughs> but that's okay. I like to uh, I like to share it around so that people do um, know mm-hmm. about it. So um, NLP is actually Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, and that is everything we need to know about the brain, the language that we use, and the programming that we pick up um, mm-hmm. through our childhood and also as young adults um, and so I train people to become practitioners in uh, NLP so that they can help other people. Uh, I also do hypnosis training um, and timeline therapy training um, and timeline therapy is a great modality for actually helping you um, get rid of your limitations and any energy that's stored within the body and actually getting learnings from uh, from past experiences. So it's, it's a really powerful technique. Uh, I also do coaching for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing that now for nearly seven years uh, and absolutely, absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the transition was really... Um, I'd worked with young people, I'd worked with families for such a long time. Um, it was about, you know, supporting people but in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so I absolutely love the business and, and love the work that I do. But I've I've been very blessed to have loved everything that I've done in mm-hmm. my career. So that um, that's very special actually. Mm-hmm. And we love what you do too, so you've been a huge part <laughs> of our life. So <laughs> we can't recommend you highly enough. Oh, so thank you so much. Thank you. And do you have a website? I do. Mm-hmm. It's www.suejardine.com.au. Beautiful. Uh, we'll put a link to that. Yeah, but the Sue, no E in No E. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> no. It's not sui, it's, it's sui. Yes, um, that's, that's my little quirk. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the only one. No, no, that's right. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. That uh, oh, There's so much gold in there that I'm sure we're going to be processing for days on end. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you very much.